Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. Ser un activista de la no violencia activity in many parts of the world, and Nicaragua is no exception. From April last year, the human rights defenders have been criminalized. Have We've been accused of as terrorists. We've been accused of uh, destabilizing the government. The Sandinista um, fanatics have uh, attacked us. And many of us uh, have a certain type of protection because we're known beyond the borders of Nicaragua. And you can imagine what would happen to someone who's not known outside Nicaragua. Organizations, uh, human rights defenders have been banned in Nicaragua, more than nine of them. We've seen journalists imprisoned. This is a very difficult task to carry out. But many people feel that uh, the 20th century was a century of conflict, uh, but this was a century also where we saw the development of many international par parameters uh, to defend human rights. In the 20th century, there were parameters to protect not uh, people the, to create nonviolence. We had Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela. We had Violeta Chamorro say, in Nicaragua, the first uh, female president elected in the Americas who took us from war to peace. But how solid is the support from the international system towards nonviolence movements? What has happened uh, with all of the international rules uh, to protect nonviolence that were developed in the 20th century? In the 20th century, do we still have a strong support for this type of movement? This is a question that is valid and really arises from the painful experience in Nicaragua, but it is something that applies to any nonviolent movement in the world, anywhere where you put your life on the line to not use armed arms, but this is something that will not work unless we have international support. Talking about nonviolence in Central America is incredibly complicated. Some of the most violent cities in the world are in Central America and Nicaragua, my country. Any person who is over 40 years of age has witnessed at least two wars, two armed conflicts. When I was 12 years old, I had to leave my country. I was a political refugee. I had to travel alone to a country without my mother and my father. I had to live in a refugee camp. And this was, an this was not an extraordinary story. This was a story of so many other Nicaraguans. But in the 1990s, Nicaragua changed. It was a different place. In a study that we conducted uh, through the um, Institute for Strategic Studies, uh, we saw that uh, the value that um, the Nicaraguan youth uh, valued the most, most was peace. They felt that peace was the most motivating factor in their lives. And so we see that also in the difference between 1979, when Nicaraguans took to the streets, took up arms, rose a red and black flag, and cried, free homeland or death, to 
Last year, 2018, when students, women, farmers, human rights defenders, they were not armed, and the flag that they rose was the blue and white flag, flag and they were not talking about free homeland or death, and they were talking about free homeland and life. And why did they take this to the streets? It's incredible to see activists uh, from LGBT alongside faith-based movements, uh, students, farmers, middle-class people, working-class people, all taking to the streets uh, under the Auto Convocado movement, uh, this self-summoned, this self-movement, self-led movement uh, that was not rallied around a political party, but was just calling for free and fair elections uh, to remove uh, the dictatorship. Uh, but in 2007, Daniel Ortega was uh, elected president with less than 38% of the vote because he rigged the Constitution. And there were more than 5 billion uh, petrodollars uh, from Chavo, Chavez and Maduro, which helped him to establish a political system that can only be defined as a sultanate. His wife is vice president. Many of his uh, children are ministers. He controls uh, the judiciary, the legislative. He has total control of the police. The red and black flag is the flag of his party, which is um, obligatory to be um, flown in all schools, uh, poli uh, police stations. There was a total dismantlement of the opposition parties in the country. And so we had 11 years of accumulated indignation. And so this nonviolent autoconvocado movement came out onto the streets. Now, how did Ortega respond? How did Murillo respond? In the first days of uh, the protest last year, the regime assassinated at least one person every six hours. And they got um, snipers uh, to, in uh, strategic locations of the city, and they shot at um, peaceful protesters in the city. And uh, there was an, um, a very conservative report of the International Commission on Human Rights from the Organization of American States uh, estimated that at least 325 people had been killed. 2,000 people had been seriously injured, sexually abused, mutilated, tortured. More than 1,200 Nicaraguans, including journalists, including human rights defenders, had to go through the prisons of Nicaragua. And above and beyond that, 82,000 Nicaraguans since of May last year have been forced into exile. So these are unprecedented figures in Latin American history. This is a country of only 6 million inhabitants. And this pattern of uh, selective assassination through snipers is something that was uh, documented very well by journalist Wilfredo Miranda with his uh, report, Shoot to Kill. These are original post-mortem x-rays of uh, peaceful protesters who were shot in the head, in the thorax, and in the neck. 
This type of uh, extrajudicial killing continues today. We saw that recently with Eddie Montes, political prisoner, was shot in a Managua prison. He was killed with an AK-47. This is a military-grade weapon. He was a political prisoner in Nicaragua, shot this way. Today, it's impossible to um, have any type of protest in a police state in Nicaragua. Uh, you can't even raise the flag, uh, uh, unbelievable as it may seem. Uh, police will arrest people, will uh, confiscate their telephones. Uh, you have to show your Facebook posts, your tweets. Uh, or anybody who uh, raises the blue and white flag will be stopped. Now, what has been the response of the international community to this type of persecution and harassment? Well, what we see is that the international system, if they don't pay attention to nonviolence movements, they actually make the situation more complex. In order for nonviolence to be successful, we need international solidarity. We need attention from the world. And that is exactly what Daniel Ortega was able to do for 11 years. He fell under the international radar, and for this reason, he was able to assassinate, expropriate, imprison, enrich himself because he fell under the international radar. Many of his um, cronies now, however, are part of uh, the uh, sanctions handed down through the Magnitsky Act. The European Parliament has adopted two resolutions, but we need much more help. <clears throat> People need to know what's happening in Nicaragua. This, these dictatorships have evolved, and certain concepts such as national sovereignty, non-intervention, these are concepts that are there to protect the rule of law are being used uh, by these uh, di dictatorships to evade international sanctions and to impede the nonviolence movement. One of the most difficult conversations uh, that a nonviolent activist can have is with a father or a mother who's seen their child shot down because they're a peaceful protester. This is the case of Miguel, his daughter, Stephanie, 10 years old, was shot in the head by an FSLN paramilitary. She's a warrior. She's fighting for her life, even though she's lost 20% of her brain and many of her vital functions are impeded. But my question is, can we look Stephanie in the eye and say, Stephanie, yes, nonviolence works. You need to believe in nonviolence. The world is watching. Stephanie, you are the generation of peace. Can we tell Stephanie that she can raise her flag without being imprisoned? To tell Stephanie that, we need for the world to pay attention. And remember that the concept of national sovereignty was designed to protect freedom and democracy, not to protect dictatorships. Thank you.